Hello everyone and welcome back to Sabbath School from Home, a podcast where this quarter we've been looking at Ephesians. And in our last episode we got to the end, uh, but there's still a few things that we need to look at. So uh, my name's Lachlan and I'm really looking forward to um, talking about waging peace. Well, um, g'day. I'm not sure about the order again, but I'm Ken. And I'm Luke. And I'm Cameron. And I'm pretty sure the order's been different the last three times we've done this. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. We like to introduce variety for our listeners. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, um, we got to the end, as I mentioned, of the book of Ephesians. There's no extra, no more chapters for us to read. Um, but what we, what we were discussing in our last episode was the, the language of God's armor and sort of the militaristic metaphor that was used here in the wrap-up of the book. And um, we kept curling back to the idea that maybe it's not talking about forming an army and going and fighting people. So what we're going to do in this episode is, is just revisit that. The, the lesson pamphlet uses this wonderful phrase, waging peace, and I think we should um, consider that. And what I think we should do is jump in and look at a couple of verses through Ephesians that have highlighted peace already. So Cam, could you open to Ephesians 1 verse 2? And Luke, could you get chapter 2, verses 14, 15, and 17? Mm-hmm. Um, and Ken, can you go to Ephesians 4, verse 3? Certainly. So let's... Do you know, Locke, Locke I've just thought of something that needed to go into the last episode. <laughs> no, um, not another one. Last, last episode, we revised the one before, and that went for a full episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was just thinking about the warlike image, and I was, I've been hunting in the back of my mind for, um, yeah, it's been thinking, rolling around, um, uh, the fight against the huge economic power represented by the tobacco companies. Mm. Mm. That that's an example where I am actually quite comfortable with with the metaphor of a fight being a sort of a literal fight. Um, yeah, yeah. My dad, um, my, fighting. My the, dad devoted his life. To that cause, mm. yeah. I think there is a sense in which that sort of fight connects in with this idea of waging peace, because the tobacco companies are themselves playing a pretty aggressive game, yeah. and so it's not. Uh, this is where I, I wonder whether there might be some merit here in, in thinking about what was what this weird joining of words, waging peace, um, yeah. where peace is something that actually needs to be waged needs to be campaigned um that's going to be simultaneously an aggressive and also a reconciliatory kind of action it's that there's a juxtaposition there that i think is really fruitful to ponder i you know it, peace is not passive you, no mm. it's not it's v- mm. it's very active and it must be um all good arrangements i suspect require constant maintenance and vigilance and effort mm. um mm. or or they will collapse um I, my very limited experience um, as a decision maker um, of 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 a an organisation has led me to realise how very very difficult it is to build things and how very very e- easy it is to destroy them. And mm. most empires, companies, societies, cultures, civilizations, nations, what have you, that collapsed. I'm quite convinced did not do so through some great mighty effort of their enemies uh, particularly great empires they always collapse from inside it's mostly negligence 
or at least negligence mm. weakens them to the point that others can then come in and do the actual destruction. Um, but it would never have been possible without negligence. Uh, peace is definitely not passive. But I, because I, I wonder now that I've got myself thinking about it, if you know, if we can quite easily remove the militaristic metaphor or the slave metaphor from Ephesians five and six, and still retain their meaning and understand them, um, then perhaps rather than use the language of fighting and waging a war, we could use the language of building. Mm. Building and preserving. Yeah, uh, building peace. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Building peace, maintaining peace, mm. enhancing peace, supporting peace, um, defending peace as well. Well, I think that's... I think that's a helpful thought. Let's turn to some of these places where peace is cool. highlighted in the book of Ephesians. Cam, did you have that one in chapter 1, verse 2? Yeah. Now, Locke, you, you mentioned at the at the top that we got to the end of Ephesians. We actually didn't because I didn't read the last verse. Well, why don't we... In last let's verse. leave that till the end. Uh, yeah, let's, why do, don't we let's get put to the that. last verse at the end. <laughs> I only, only raise I, it I now don't. because of its striking similarity to the first verse. Ah, okay. It was obviously... It's obviously something that, that Paul had on his mind. In fact, it's it's oh well. Let's read the first and last verse words. together. The let's end. do them together then. Yeah. So the first verse is uh, Paul. The uh, first two verses: Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. <laughs> do you go Ken, on? Do you want to read the? Have you got the last one there? I've got the last one there. Peace. To the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. <laughs> Grace and peace, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ were clearly very much on Paul's heart. Very much so. I know a few people. I've done it myself on occasion. You know that challenge where you're trying to find the right way to sign off an email and you feel like yours sincerely is overly archaic and formal and you feel like cheers is perhaps a little bit inclined to sound like alcoholism and you think that maybe um, regards is a little abrupt and businesslike. Um, you should try it sometime. Signing off an email, grace and peace. It doesn't get better than that, but it is slightly weird in a professional context. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a I've got a friend who signs off with a quote um a little underneath his name he always puts a quote and the last one was um uh so this is the quote and underneath there's the person to whom it's attributed uh, and this one was the the trouble with quotes found on the internet is it's hard to verify their authenticity Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, I mean I actually think there's some there's some real depth to ponder here in the uniting of, of grace and peace because they sort of flip together don't they um i mean grace being unmerited and peace being um being a state without um conflict turmoil without conflict um they... well, the, well yeah mm, mm, mm. i'm not even sure it's a state without conflict no I take uh, but, it it, but but is it but it is a it is a state of a a healthy relationship and a means of constructively dealing with conflict. A state without mm. harm. Mm. Yes, maybe that's a, that's a better way mm. of saying it. Um, yeah. So both of these. It's a, it's a state, lot. It's a state that allows you to think of other things. This uh, is the. Mm, so mm, if you're in a mm. peaceful room, you can think about it. So there are some situations that demand your attention. Mm. It's almost like. 
um, you know you're at peace when you are not thinking about whether you're at peace or not. <laughs> you, you're only ever thinking about that when you're not at peace. So there's there's the hustle and the bustle, and then the kids come home from school, and then lunchbox is found at the bottom of a bag mm. that was meant to be oh, unpacked three months ago, cow. and it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's and then. And then the dog throws up on the floor and and then there's a knock at the door and you're expecting someone they've come 10 minutes early and you quickly get the house ready and you open the door and it's not them it's someone who's come to the wrong address and you know and then <laughs> yeah you know, uh, that is not peace there's so many things that demand your attention yeah um one of the things one of the f- distinguishing features of, of peace is um it is the context that allows us to um I was going to say be ourselves or to be deliberate or to it's it's that moment where we are safe to be drawn outside ourselves. Uh, hey, there's, there's, there's not there's a beautiful connection with what you're saying in um, Ephesians six verse fifteen. This is in the middle of the armor of God that we read last week. Mm. For shoes, put on the peace. So these are shoes of peace. This is the one place where peace is featured in this armor. Mm. Put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. I, I hear in there something similar to what you're saying, Cam. The, the peace is precisely what means you can be prepared because it's, you are not being pulled and tussled in all the manner of different directions. Yeah, that's good. That's interesting. Um, there were two others. Did we, let, let's see. There was one that was in chapter 2. Yes. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. Um, It certainly used the words a lot, doesn't it? But it identifies there something really interesting. That identifies God as being the peace he came came to bring peace, and he is peace. Well, near the near the first verses that you read, for he himself is our peace. Yeah, mm. and yeah. and when when you think about it, that's uh, uh, you can go back to even Psalm twenty three for that, can't you? Mm. Um, uh, the, the the peace that comes from from uh, a life without lack with God, mm. even in the um, face of enemies, and even in the face of disturbance. Uh, it is God who is our peace. And the connection of peace with God and connection of peace with good news is widespread in the Bible. The lesson refers to Isaiah, um, now which one am I looking at? I think, I think it's Isaiah 52 verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Mm. Mm. It's interesting, grace and peace. Um, so... Um, it's interesting that, at least as I understand the book, and I've dipped in and out of it, um, but read it a lot, just um, some passages particularly over the last few weeks, um, this this theme of uh, restitution and, and right, good, wholesome living. Mm. So whole, whole, living a holy life is also wholesome. I like that idea. Mm. Um, you know, this idea of unity um, seems to be really saturated in this book. But it's interesting that, um, grace and peace seem to be the qualities that are on Paul's mind. Yes. Um, and um, the the grace that we've received is the is the motivating um, 
it's the dominant fact behind all of those comparisons. So the Jew and Greek, well, we're all received God's grace. Christ died for each of us. Slave and master, well, we all belong to Christ now because um, he, he bought us with his blood. Um, and, and even the uh, even the the husbands and wives, it keeps coming. But the analogy yes. keeps coming back to what Christ has done for us. The analogy keeps coming back to what Christ has has done for us. So, I mean, what allows a community that is fractured by many? You know, there's even people in our church that barrack for Hawthorne. So, <laughs> well, um, no, I, I shouldn't say that because <clears throat> um, I know Ken barracks for Hawthorne. Um, <laughs> Uh, when he barracks for anything. There are those but who barrack course, for Collingwood. I mean, that's, that's yeah, an even more astounding proposition. Look, it's, it's like somebody's <laughs> yeah. speaking Mexican or Spanish, I should say. Yeah, just, I know. There's words yeah. there, but I don't know what they mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Luke, um, I barrack for Collingwood. This was a strategic uh, choice because Melissa's dad barracks for Collingwood. Um, and I knew nothing about the AFL before I started um dating Melissa, um, and uh, I am unusual among Collingwood supporters, um, almost unique, uh, because I still have all my teeth, I have no tattoos, and I'm sober. <laughs> so, Are you um, sure you're a Collingwood supporter? <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, what I was uh, getting to was uh, the, in a community that's um, divided on many lines, and the football team is a trivial example, um, it always amazes me how people get a, an enjoyment that I even see a part there's a healthy enjoyment out of something like belonging to a sporting team. Um, almost like celebrating. It's a weird social phenomenon, isn't mm. it? Because it's like, it's like we're hunting for another reason to disagree with people. Um, mm. uh, but it sort of somehow is expressed at its best in a really sort of fun, jovial way. It's a weird idea. But there are obviously divides in society that are genuinely serious. Mm. And Paul touches on a whole bunch of the divides in his where there's serious power imbalances. And the, the thing that the thing that is the the lens that you should view through each of these relationships, he says, is what Christ has done. Yeah. It's Christ's grace um, towards us. Um, and an understanding of that, really thinking, what does it actually mean to have received from God unmerited um, the gift of life and love um, how will that change the way I live? And um, that seems to me a good basis from which to go searching for peace. Yeah, mm. I think that's I think a so. really good point. Um, Ken, did you uh, did you have that verse Ephesians four verse three? I, I did, um, and Ephesians four verse three says this: "Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace." Uh, so that's the that's the passage where it expressly refers to peace. It's interesting, the verse before it says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Mm. Make every effort to keep the unity. And then the next verse says, there is one body and one spirit, uh, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But yeah. to each one of us, grace has been mm. given as Christ apportioned it. And then you go over, you keep keep going, and he talks about Christ. Uh, if he ascended, he must have descended, and that's why he had to ascend. And 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 this picks up Luke just beautifully. Uh, your idea, if we go over to verse twelve there, there, or eleven, some are apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, 
to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Um, so mm. we're being built up as one. Yeah, I remember, um, I don't know how many episodes ago it was, but we when we read that passage, um, yeah, that the seven ones, yeah, mm. um, culminating in, in one God, our Father. Um, Paul, in... The whole book has been emphasizing unity, and at that particular bit, he rhapsodizes on on the theme of unity, doesn't he? He really just um, f- highlights uh, wh- how deep the call is for us to be united. Um, Using the word rhapsodize, which is exactly the right word to describe it, um, uh, made me realize the connection with the modern rap, uh, and, <laughs> and 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 it, and it really and there is a real similarity in the way that. You could almost describe Paul as rapping on the one. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. Well, um, we we preempted this episode a fair bit in our previous episode, so that we may well be getting um, to a point where we could we could close. Does anyone ha- have any thoughts about this theme of peace? I find the theme of peace um, it's bizarre. I find it more of a call to action. Than, than the more aggressive military type analogy that we that we read about in our previous episode. Um, so something about I feel like there's a slight um, irony in there, but I'm not quite sure if I can even even express it. Uh, I certainly feel like um, the kind of peace that's been described, if you look at it in the context of this book, as we've just tried to do. Um, it's a pretty lofty goal, and so it does require building. It does require action. It requires decision. It requires um, diligence and determination. You know, it is it is not the peace that comes by default. It is the peace that is strived for and built mm. up. Mm. Yeah. And indeed, even when we go back to Christ's own words about this, um, he said in the Sermon on the Mount, "Blessed are the peacemakers." he was that we have peace fakers in our world and we have peace breakers in our world um and he calls us to be peace makers that's really excellent i think we should end there so uh thanks very much ken thanks everyone for listening and um we are getting close to the end of this quarter. Normally, of course, a quarter of the year has 13 weeks. This particular quarter has 14, so there's one more episode yet to come. Um we hope you tune in and join us in the next episode and if you do have thoughts or comments or uh, words of encouragement or feedback of any kind uh, feel free to email us sabbathschoolfromhome at gmail.com